Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Hello, it is Wednesday, January 16th, and this is another episode of the Evan Witt Podcast. It's been about a week and a half since, or so since my last podcast, and I'm happy to be bringing you this episode of the Evan Witt Show. have a lot to discuss going on in the world of sports. Um, Packer News, uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, still playing really good basketball. Um, <clears throat> Milwaukee Brewers making some moves, and I'm going to give you my opinions, my thoughts on What's going on, including who I, who I feel is the front runner for NBA MVP. Um, it's changing pretty much week by week between two guys, and I'm pretty sure anyone listening before I even mention who those two guys are knows exactly who I'm talking about. So first off, though, the Evan Wood Podcast, for those wondering, uh, is brought to you by Coach Evan Fitness. This is the time where many people decide they want to make changes with their life, they want to make positive decisions with their life and I am here to help you. I am a health and fitness uh, coach. I operate online to help people reach their health and fitness goals and I will help you find a workout, help you find a nutrition plan that's going to fit what your goals are and I will guide you through it and coach you through it until you get the results that you want to see. I've lost about 150 pounds since 2011 when I was at my heaviest at 381 pounds. I did put on about 40, 45 pounds in 2018, but I'm re-motivated, re-energized, and ready to knock that weight off as well as another 20, 25 pounds too. And if you want to come with me, you want to join me, then email me, coachevan66 at gmail.com. Coach Evan 66 at gmail.com. <clears throat> so, Milwaukee Brewers, you know, it's the hot stove right now. It's been kind of a quiet hot stove. If you turn the burner on, it's probably extremely light, is, uh, you know, just kind of simmering a little bit, is how the hot stove is looking right now. But the Brewers have made some moves, and the most recent one, Yasami Grandal agrees to a contract with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, it's a one-year deal with a second-year mutual option that if the if they opt out, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be, I think Grandal gets $2.25 million. It's ultimately an $18.5 million contract, $16 million in year one. And lots of people critical about this move for Yasami Grandal. And... Uh, I like the move. I, I I personally like the move. Um, Manny Pena, very good defensive catcher, but he had a very down year in 2018. Um, Eric Kratz is just basically depth on the bench. He's not an everyday catcher. 
And the Brewers don't really have an everyday catcher. And now Grandal gets an opportunity to try to be that everyday catcher um, with the Milwaukee Brewers. And he gets to uh, rise his stock a little bit um, in the meantime. And now the question is, what do you do with behind him with Pena and Kratz? Kratz, the, the lead, one of the leaders during your postseason run. And Pena, who's been clutched numerous times um, throughout 2018 and 2017, what do you do with those two? I think you have a competition uh, during, uh, during spring training to see who gets the number two job. And if it's not Manny Pena, package him for some low-level prospects. Uh, rumor has it there's some interest in him on the trade block, and I think you'd look to move him for some low-level prospects. That's what i do with uh, Manny Pena if Eric Kratz uh, shows that he can be that number two catcher. And I, and I get there's concern with Grindahl. Um You look at how he played... Um, how he played against the Brewers in the postseason with the with the uh, with the Dodgers, um, and he had a couple bad games. But you look at the big picture of Grandal; he's great at framing pitches. He does have spells while well, I'm guessing it's concentration issues, but he's a he's an upgrade behind the play. And now the Brewers can focus on maybe adding another arm to the rotation, possibly bringing back Wade Miley, which I would be in support of, and another one or two year deal. Um, there's been rumors about trading for Madison Bumgarner, which personally I wouldn't do. Um, there's, there's one of three guys the Giants want um, in three pitchers, and Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and uh, and uh, Woodworth. And I wouldn't trade one of the, any of those three. I really wouldn't. Um, you're, you you need to, to you know have your homegrown pitchers stay in the organization rather than trade them for one year of Madison Bumgarner, who's a free agent after the year. Grow at your three pitchers. Yes, you may take a slight step back this year and win. The 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 Cardinals upgraded. The Cubs are still the Cubs. Um, I think starting pitching is still a concern with the Cubs, but the Cubs are still the Cubs. You may take a step back or two in the win-loss column, but you want to continue to develop your young pitchers, and that's going to be key to long-term sustainability for your team. So you can use the... The, uh, the money to bring in the position players like you did a la Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, you got to keep your young talent here so you can have long-term sustainability. That's what David Stearns has talked about, long-term sustainability and giving up Corey Ray, who could be your center fielder in two years, one a year and a half to two years, depending on Lorenzo Cain. And if he breaks down at all, he's 32, not getting any younger. You got to keep uh, Lorenzo. You got to keep Corey Ray in tow, and then Burns, Peralta, and Woodworth. Burns, I think, has top of the rotation potential. Peralta has middle of the bottom of the rotation potential, and Woodworth has shown he can be dominant out of the bullpen or in the starting rotation. And I don't think you want to move any of those pieces away, especially for years and years. You've struggled developing homegrown talent for pitchers, and you got Nelson Woodworth. Peralta and Burns. You have those three, uh, those four guys who you've developed and you have on your team. Run with those guys. And I know Nelson may never be the same pitcher again with that shoulder, but see what you got with him. And you know the Houston Astros. They after they made the playoffs, uh, they took a step back, missed the playoffs before eventually winning it all. And I think that was a big step in Houston's development, taking a step back a little bit in year two 
um, after making the playoffs. So year three, they came in running it off full, full cylinder. And by not trading away pieces in year two, after making the, the postseason, they were able to trade for Justin Verlander, who became a key cog in that starting rotation that led you to the World Series. So you're from Houston Stearns. Focus on what you got in Houston, you did in Houston and go from there. Next up, some Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Miami Heat for the first time in two years, I believe it was, 124 to 86 last night. Um, <clears throat> this was what you call a total team effort for the Bucks. Chris Middleton with 11 points. Giannis Antetokounmpo with 10 points, uh, 12 points, 10 boards, 12, uh, 10 rebounds. Brock Lopez, 11 points. Malcolm Brogdon, 16 points. Eric Bledsoe, 17 points. Sterling Brown, 13 points. Tony Snell, 10 points. So the point I'm getting at, you had not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven guys score in double figures. Then you had three guys in Hill, uh, Wilson, and Coggington um, within uh, within a uh, three to two po- uh, one to three points of getting in double figures, the the Bucks played a complete team effort and they blew the roof off the place of the Miami Heat. First quarter they won thirty twenty three. Second quarter thirty uh, nine twenty two. That's where they blew it open. Third quarter twenty four eighteen, and in the fourth quarter thirty one to twenty three. And the last six minutes of the game, neither team committed a turnover. Neither team committed a foul. Neither team. Uh, put the ball out of bounds so the last six minutes of basketball the garbage time you just had uh basketball action which i think was really good to see too now i still have some concerns with the milwaukee bucks i still do um i think they uh i was reading an article by matt vasquez of the milwaukee journal sentinel and coming out of the third quarter they're uh great Giannis plays better off after halftime as a whole. The team plays better after halftime. But I'm concerned with the first quarter. Many times this year, the Bucks have come out in the first quarter and struggled. And I, I, I got a little concern there. And that concern is when you're playing against, uh, a, a Golden, let's say, the Golden State Warriors, and the Golden State Warriors come off on fire, hitting on all cylinders, they're going to potentially dig you in too deep of a hole. They got to play better in the first quarter. That's just my opinion. Um, free throw shooting outside of uh, Brogdon, they need to show some improvement as well, I believe. Um, <clears throat> but that's just that's just my two cents. Um, I'm impressed with what the Bucks are doing. They are playing great with uh, this new coach, uh, Budenholz, and... They're, I, I like that they're continuing to grow. I like that they're continuing to get better. I like that they're continuing to um, to play better team ball. And they're just mothering. There's, they smother you with their size, their length, and their athleticism, and their three-point shots. And this is a Bucks team that I think could realistically make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, if not further. But like I said, they just have to come out playing four quarters of basketball. Not three, not two. Four quarters, MVP race for the NBA. I think it's I think it's a two man race, and it will be um, for the rest of the year. And that's going to be between uh, Harden and Antetokounmpo. 
Um, it's going to go back and forth, I think, between those two guys. I think right now, um, if you would ask me a week ago, Giannis Antetokounmpo would be my front runner for league MVP. But I think right now, I think James Harden's closing the gap. And it's not an obvious choice at the moment. I still give it to Giannis, maybe the little bit of homer in me. But what James Harden's had to do, um, this stretch of basketball James Harden's been playing in, it's been very impressive basketball. And he's averaging 34 points per game. He had 57 points the other night. And he is just playing outstanding. And Giannis is too. Um, but I, I just think Harden is closing that gap a little bit. Um, outside of that, yes, Anthony Davis is there, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, whatever. But I think right now and for the foreseeable future, NBA MVP two-person race, barring injury, is between Giannis and James Harden. They will finish one and two. Right now I have Giannis on the slight edge. If you would have asked me a week ago, it would be Giannis on a large margin. But James Harden's closed that gap a little bit. And moving forward with the Evan Witt show, um, I'm going to be giving my MVP thoughts each and every week, who I think uh, has the advantage right now. And like I said, right now it's Giannis. So what are your thoughts on the Bucks? Uh, how far do you think they can go? Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports at Evan Witt Sports. Give me a follow. That's 1T, E-V-A-N-W-I-T, and sports. Give me a follow and let me know what you think. So the big state news, the big state news, the Green Bay Packers last week hired a new head football coach. Now he is making his staff choices. The new Packer head football coach is Matt LaFleur. Uh, formerly Tennessee Titan offensive coordinator. Before that, uh, offensive coordinator in Los Angeles. Spent time in Atlanta as quarterback's coach and time in Washington as quarterback's coach as well. 39 years old. Lots of concern about his offensive prowess, being that Tennessee's offense last year was not very good. And I know a lot of people, including some of the big talking heads like Colin Cowherd, is banging that drum that this is a horrible hire because of his offensive numbers. But we don't know. We don't know what this hire is going to be, how good this hire is, how bad this hire is, somewhere in the middle, until we get going. Um, now it's on Brian Gutenkust, and hopefully it's just him, to build the roster to LaFleur and Mike Pettin's strengths. That's the job now. Let's see what kind of roster uh, Gutenkus is going to put together around LaFleur, Hackett, and Pettin. You got some core pieces there, and you got some tough decisions to make. But we don't know until the games start what kind of coach, what kind of offense Hackett and LaFleur are going to run. We don't know. Hackett did pretty well in 2017 in Jacksonville with bottom-of-the-barrel pieces and quarterback, wide receiver, um, Fournette in and out of the lineup, injured. He did pretty well. Last year, fell apart. It happens sometimes. Blake Brodo's uh, fell back down to earth. Leonard Fournette, again, injured a lot, and it fell back down to earth. Matt LaFleur, his offense in Tennessee, 
He had to rely a lot on Blaine Gabbert at numerous times throughout the year because why? Marcus Mariota dealing with nerve damage, uh, ulnar nerve issue where he could barely grip the football at times, could barely run um, with other injuries that he's had, and he wasn't able to run the offense to his full strength. Uh, His starting tight end gets hurt in week one. His backup, I think, got hurt shortly after. The offensive line was a disaster. And he and wide receiving core was below par. But he did what he could with what he had, and that was get Derrick Henry more involved as the season went on. And the offensive line mesh got better, and we saw better numbers from Derrick Henry um, as the season went on. We even saw Derrick Henry ran in the Wildcat numerous times because he, he, he didn't have a quarterback. And this is a quarterback-driven league, and we know this. And... Colin Cowherd and Skip Bayless and the other talking idiots on the big network, Stephen A. Smith, they know this. They're trying to get uh, some ratings and some some stir from talk going on. Uh, but they know this is a quarterback-driven league, and neither Hackett nor LaFleur has had a competent quarterback consistently. They've had some pieces here and there where they exceed expectations, but Matt Ryan with LaFleur as his quarterback's coach, and you can always say it was the offense ran under Kyle Shanahan, but LaFleur's quarterback's coach in Atlanta, Matt Ryan had an MVP year. LaFleur as quarterback's coach in Washington, we saw Robert Griffin III and Kirk Cousins have some pretty solid years. Sean McVay brings him out to L.A. with him. <clears throat> offensive line coach, I mean, offense, I mean, offensive coordinator works very closely with the quarterback. Jared Goff puts up MVP-type numbers in L.A. during his one year there. I personally like the hire. I think Hackett and LaFleur are going to uh, challenge Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's going to be good. And you look at the pieces that the Packers have currently on offense, and Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Ekamania St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think they're going to utilize that talent to the best of their ability. And yes, you need to bring in another tight end. You need to bring in some depth at offensive line. You need to bring in some depth at wide receiver position. Um, But I think the new offensive brain trust with Aaron Rodgers is going to find ways to utilize the talent Green Bay already has on offense. Um, I like to hire. And... The biggest reason why I like to hire, look at Matt LaFleur's pedigree. He's from, he's worked under Mike Shanahan. He's worked under Kyle Shanahan. He's worked under Shaw McVay, offensive innovators. And you look at Shanahan's time in Denver with John Elway, with, uh, with Jake Plummer, um, Jake the Snake Plummer. He, uh, he, uh, utilized a lot of quarterback bootlegs, a lot of movement, a lot of play action, a lot of misdirection. You look at Kyle Shanahan. He does a lot of the same stuff. You look at what LaFleur did in Tennessee, a lot of misdirection, a lot of quarterback bootlegs, a lot of play action, a lot of moving around, he, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of motion, a lot of jet sweep action, whatever. You see the offenses do this. And you do it in Green Bay where you have Aaron Rodgers who is outstanding running the football, has outstanding arm, outstanding throwing the ball on the run, 
you can you can work to Aaron Rodgers' strengths. The sky's the limit in what Aaron Rodgers can do under LaFleur. So give it time. Don't panic after each candidate, you know, doesn't take the Green Bay job um, for coaching positions. Don't panic and be patient. You know, look at where we were before social media. We didn't panic after any move. We we let it play out a little bit. Or maybe we didn't just have the platform to freak out. I don't know. But give the Matt LaFleur hire some time. Give the Nathaniel Hackett hire some time. Give letting Joe Witt and James Campman go for some time and see what happens. See what pieces get brought in. <laughs> Mike Patton gets to have his staff, which he didn't get to have under in year one. He gets to have his staff. Um, LaFleur gets to have his staff. <clears throat> and a lot of the talk from Mark Murphy and from a lot of the, uh, the beat writers, and I talked about it a lot. I know a lot of fans have talked about it a lot. Complacency. It seemed that the team got complacent. Uh, the offensive line outside of Sitton, Lang, Bakhtiari, um, Bulaga, Lindsley, uh, <clears throat> outside of, you know, lately though, what has the offensive line done? Spriggs has failed to develop. Murray's failed to develop. Um, McCray showed promise last year, didn't take that next step. They had to rely on Byron Bell, and I know Catman did have a lot of pieces to work with outside of his starting five, but Spriggs was supposed to be the potential right tackle of the future, and he was left tackle security blanket when he was brought in because Bakhtiari only had, I think, a year left on his contract, and Spriggs was brought in. And he hasn't developed. Is it Spriggs or is it the coaching? Is there something between the two that's not quite meshing? We don't know. Now we get to find out. Um, defensively, uh, Joe Witt, yes, he's responsible for developing Termon Williams, Sam Shields. Uh, the Darius Gunter played some pretty good football with Joe Witt. But we saw a lot of the same year, a past few years in the secondary, a lot of miscommunication, a lot of coverage breakdowns because you had guys not sure where they were supposed to be and whatnot. Now you can get a fresh voice in there. Maybe it was coaching. But the complacency under Mike McCarthy was obvious, and now the Packers need to move on from that complacency. That's just my two cents. So don't freak out the Chet Catman's gone. Don't freak out the Witt's gone. Don't freak out that Nathaniel Hackett got brought in to be offensive coordinator. Don't freak out that um, Mocken picked, uh, picked Cleveland to be a coach, quote, unquote, over Green Bay, which we don't even know if Green Bay even offered him the job. They brought him in for an interview. It doesn't mean they offered him the job. So just be patient, <clears throat> okay? And then the last thing I want to touch on, and I keep seeing it over and over and over again, Antonio Bryant is supposedly on the market, and I keep seeing it. The Packers need to go and get him. The Packers need to go and get him. The Packers need to go and get him. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Here's my concern with Antonio Bryant. He is, I believe, 31. Um, he's at that age, and no, I know he hasn't shown any, any uh, indication of slowing down. But he's at that age when wide receivers tend to fade a little bit, tend to go downhill. Very rarely do wide receivers continue to dominate and get better as they get older. He's reached um, 
I think he's reached his ceiling. And the only thing we're going to see from him is his, his production and his uh, abilities to probably come down a little bit. And you look at Antonio Brown's contract, and the Packers have about $40, $50 million in, in, uh, in salary cap room, I believe, at the moment. And it could get bigger depending on some moves the Packers make. But Antonio Brown's do a hell of a lot of money. I'm pulling up his contract right now. He is due. Uh, he's he is due a twenty-two million dollar cap hit next year. Eighteen million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty. Nineteen million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty-one. The Packers finally have some cap room flexibility. Do you really want to take and put twenty-two million dollars of that under one guy? When a wide receiver, when you could probably get two wide receivers for that money, you could probably get three low tier wide receivers for that money. You can get an edge rusher, premier edge rusher with that money um, as, as a free agent. You can get a safety with that money. Like you can do a lot with the money that you're going to have moving forward. Don't spend it all on one guy because he's what the Packers need. The Packers, if they manage their cap correctly, can have a huge, uh, they can make a huge splash in free agency. And if you're giving $22 million of it to Antonio Brown, you're, you're limiting on your fle- what you can do with your flexibility. You can get depth on the O-line. You can get depth on the uh, defensive secondary. You can, like I said, spend good money on a, a edge rusher. You can get a middle linebacker. So let, let's not go get Antonio Brown. Let's not. I, I just don't think it would be a good move. And I'm not even talking about his, his off the field, his locker room concerns and issues that he's bringing right now. I'm talking strictly from a football perspective. He's only he's not going to get better than what he currently is. He's reached, you know, I think he's reached his ceiling. He's only going to start to deteriorate with his age and the number of uh snaps and reps he's put on his 5'10 184 pound body. Let the young guys develop, bring in a veteran or two a wide receiver if you want and uh, some more experience there and go from there. So Thank you all for listening. I appreciate the support for those that do listen. Give me your feedback. I want to make this the best podcast I can make it, the best show that I can make it, and I want your help with that. Shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com. Comment in the comments on the platforms that you're listening to this show. Tweet at me, at Sports, and let me know how I can make this show even better. Um, Next show, I'm going to preview WWE Royal Rumble. I'm going to preview, uh, recap the AFC-NFC Championship Games and give my early thoughts on the Super Bowl, which I think the Patriots and the Saints are going to win on Sunday, for that's my prediction. The Patriots and the Saints advance to the Super Bowl. We're going to get Drew Brees versus Tom Brady for the Super Bowl. So with that said, thank you all for listening. Enjoy your Wednesday, and I will get back at you uh, sometime either over the weekend or early next week. Thank you, everybody, and I'll get back at you. This has been the Evan Witt Show.